in the scriptures. We started with Colossians uh, chapter number 3 and I just thought we'd go through and show a bunch of things the Bible tells us to get rid of, to put off. He said, Mortify therefore your members upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on children of obedience, in which you also walk sometime when you're in them. Now put off or now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Line out one another, seeing that you've put off the old man with his deeds. Then we went to Ephesians chapter number 4. And he said in verse 22, uh, that you put off the concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. And, and right there, that, that deceit there is with the heart and with the mind. Now, Jeremiah 17 Right? 9 and 10 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But the man, man believes that he can outwit God. He can, he's smarter than God. He, can, he don't have to follow God's advice. He's going to make it out in the end. And, and ultimately he ends up in hell. He's so smart. He goes to hell and burns. But a true person understands and sees through failures and faults in their life and sit back and say, There's got to be something better than this. <laughs> there's got to be a better way than this and they sit back and they wise up and they go man I need some outside help the only way I'm going to get the help I need is I need somebody with supernatural power to, to, to help me and they wind up hearing the gospel and they, they turn their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and they get saved and when they get saved that, that help comes within to help govern and guide their lives and so when they get that help to govern and guide their life then business picks up you understand? But it's hard to believe a, a man to sit back and realize he's got deceitful lust. Most men think they can handle everything. I know when to quit. I can have a few. And I know when to stop. She's not as bad as you say she is. He's not as bad as you say he is. They're not going to do me wrong. Listen, man gets puffed up and deceived because he's covetous. And the end goal is he wants something. He'll lie. He'll deceive. He'll do whatever he wants to do to get the final end of that thing and he don't realize that the ways right there's a way which seemeth right on the man but the ends thereof are the ways of death and so that's what God's trying to tell us to get rid of is that old deceitful man right and then we went down here and he says verse 25 wherefore put away what lying I want to put away lying after, which after God is creating, well, I'm the wrong verse. Wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and what? Sin not. That's the greatest advice you can give to a new convert. Jesus told that man over there in the Gospel of John, he said, go and sin no more. Amen. That's a great thing. Awake to righteousness, the Bible said, and sin not. He said, my little children, I write unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Amen. So it's good that we got somebody there that's going to constantly stand before God and plead our case with his case. He said, God, they, or Father, they trusted you. They believed in you. Look at my hands. Look at my side. I paid the payment for them. They're my children. And he'll go, okay. And God's wrath is assuaged through the blood of Jesus Christ. He's constantly pleading his case for our case. And uh, so when we mess up, then the Lord will take us to the woodshed and say, no, wait a minute, you're living a little contrary to what I, what I want, so let's come over here and let's deal with this thing. And God will deal with us. 
but we're supposed to submit to him and not follow the flesh. We don't want to live like the world. We want to follow the spirit. That's what he's trying to tell us there. Wherefore, put away lying, speak truth to every man, be angry and what? Sin not. Let not sun go down upon your wrath. If you do blow it, if you do get mad, if you do get cross, don't let the sun go down on it. Amen? Take care of it. You'll know it. Listen, you do something wrong, the Holy Ghost tell you to go. Uh, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Don't let it go. Because that's how bitterness sets in. Verse 27. Neither what? He's telling you in the same context, don't give the devil a chance. Don't allow the devil to put a wedge in your life. He'll, he'll do it. Don't give him place. Don't give him a chance to destroy you. Right? Listen, if I go down and I go uh, eat lunch today at Hooters, you know what I'm doing? I'm giving the devil an opportunity to ruin my heart my life through the lust of my eyes to go get a sandwich. So what do I do? I don't go there. You understand? Uh, don't go sit down. Don't go here to Dixie Lounge and, and sit around while they're drinking and smoking and partying and rock and rolling and go in there and get a sandwich. Because sooner or later, something's going to happen. You're going to wind up sipping the wrong beverage. Yeah. Amen. You're going to get hooked up in the wrong conversation. You're going to hear cussing. You're going to hear things. You're going to wind up putting stuff in your ears. It's eventually going to come out of your mouth. It's going to affect your heart. It's going to affect your mind. So I stay away from places like that that's dirty, filthy, corrupt. I don't watch programming like that. I don't need nothing that's going to mess my head up. I don't listen to the wrong programming, amen, on my earbuds when I'm at work. Listen, I need something that's going to help me. I don't need something that's going to hurt me. So I listen to good things, right? It'll, it'll mess you up. So we got to be careful. Don't give the devil a chance. If you give the devil an opportunity, right, you don't need to take advantage of that. So uh, the best thing to do is always be aware not to give him a chance. Look at what it says, verse 28, let him that what? Stole, do what? Steal no more. Amen. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, a thing which is good. You know what? That's genuine repentance. You take a con man, you get him saved. You get him to go out there and earn his honest living and not submit to his conning, his cunning, amen, his craft, Right? Oh, <laughs> you got to be careful. You got to be careful. I mean, my wife's in a business to help people with their finances to try to compete against a bunch of people that are crooked in their dealings. The whole business my wife's involved in is a, people would sell whole life insurance policies and show, sell people bad insurance policies for what cause? The reason they sold them they were bad is to make a better commission. And she's dealt with people, and they went back to their insurance agents. Oh, that's what you wanted? Oh, I could have done that for you. Here, let me do this. And they go back to their insurance agent that's been stealing from them for years. You know why? Because the family's always gone to that guy, and everybody else's always gone to that guy. That guy's been stealing from them, and they, oh, yeah, I got a good insurance agent. Yeah, he's been stealing from you. Just so he could score better and live in a bigger house yeah. instead of selling you what you needed. See? And listen, that's, that's what all these guys do out here. When they got commission-based people out there trying to jack a price up on something to encourage these people to go out and sell you something you don't need and put a high commission rate on that so they'll get you to buy something. Listen, you think you need a $2,200 vacuum cleaner? <laughs> that it only costs that guy selling it to you 500 but Kirby's making money, he's making money, the guys above him are making money, and then they're going to sell you something you don't need. 
You need a vacuum cleaner, don't you think you could go somewhere and get one? For about $200 versus $2,200? Listen, they mark all that stuff up and they put high commissions on stuff and then they get into high pressure salesmen to sell you stuff you don't need. And uh, that's all they're trying to do. They're cons, they're cunning, they're deceivers. You gotta be careful. Amen. Listen, I'm not against a good product. I'm not, I'm not against people selling good stuff. There's people that will sell good stuff, they don't put it in Walmart. It works, and it helps. And there's people that put guarantees on it. But because people have been suckered and conned so much, they're afraid of anybody selling them anything. There are good things. There are good products out there. But you know what? A good product will sell itself. Right. And if it's reasonable, people will buy it. Amen. Listen, I didn't like paying 140 bucks for a pair of shoes. But you know what? The pair of shoes I got, they'll last and they're comfortable. And when you walk in them, they're, they're singing my song. If you stand all day long on a pair of rotten shoes, hey amen, you're going to find, finally, when you find a good pair of shoes, you know what? You say, oh, yeah, right there. That's what I'm getting. Hey amen. It might be a little expensive, but they're not just suckering me. They got something quality. I'm not against quality. Amen. And people aren't ashamed and afraid to pay a good price. But it's to con people. That's the, that's the job you got to worry about. All right, I got to get off that. Amen. Working that which is good with his or working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to what? Give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Amen. How's them words taste? Better be careful on how them words taste because you might have to eat them. Amen. Amen. But to that which is good, to the use of edifying, will build somebody up, will help somebody. Right? That it may minister grace unto the hearers. Do you want to be a blessing to somebody when you talk to them, or do you want to, you want to grind them? You want to stick them. When they walk away, they got something hanging out of them, stuck in them. <laughs> Amen. Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you're sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, that's very loud, uh, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Get rid of it. Get rid of that poison. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Amen. Forgiving one another even as God for what? For Christ's sake. There's the key. Can you forgive the way you want God to forgive you? How do you want God to forgive you? How do you want Him to forgive you? Huh? You want to be merciful. Do you make him sit there? Do you, does God make you sit there and beg like we make some people? You think about that. I mean, how do you want forgiven? I want total, unconditional forgiveness. I want complete forgiveness and restoration. I'm, I'm forgiven in such a way by God as if though I've never committed the offense. I'm in good standing with God as though it never, ever happened. Can you forgive somebody to the place where that that they're forgiven, that as though that incident, that injury that happened to you has never even happened? That's a tough one. Let's just pretend it never even happened. It, no, we're not pretending. It didn't happen. And the devil brings it up before God, and God says, I don't know what you're talking about. When he sees me, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees his righteousness. God don't see any, anything I've ever done wrong. So let me ask you a question. Somebody's done you wrong. When you see them, do you see blood or do you see an innocent person that walked by you that's never injured you with their mouth, their tongue, their actions? How did God forgive us? 
When God looks at me, I want him to see that, what, there's no offense, there's no harm, there's no injury, there's no bitterness. Well, that's the way I'm to forgive. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgiven me. That, that, that's a, he forgave me all trespasses, all offenses, all sins, all wrongs. He has cleaned my slate, and that's the way when you forgive somebody, that's the way I want forgiven. As though, listen, my mouth can hurt me, my actions can hurt me, my ways can hurt me. And when I ask for mercy, I, I expect somebody to be able to forgive me. Listen, there's power, there's strength in forgiveness. And it'll free the individual. Verse five, chapter 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore in view of that, followers of who? God is dear children. And walk in love as Christ also hath what? So how are you supposed to love? As Christ. Boy, that's a tough one, ain't it? See, I'm only going to love those that love me. That's wrong. Christ loved everybody. He looked at Judas Iscariot, and he came up, planted a kiss on his cheek, didn't he? And he knew he was a devil, and he said, Friend, wherefore thou come? What would you come here for today, friend? What's this kiss mean, Judas? What would you do that for, friend? You're my friend, right? I've walked with you three and a half years. You're my friend, right? What are you fixing to do to me, Judas? He's trying to get that guy to wake up. Amen. He didn't even say nothing bad about him, did he? Walk in love, as Christ also loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for sweet smell. Sacrificial. Let me ask you how you're sacrificing going. That's one part of a Christian's life that people don't want nothing to do with is sacrificial. Christians have a hard time living a sacrificial life. Guess who just come over to my house? I got to give up my evening. I don't want to give my evening up for him. I don't want to give my evening up for her. You know all they're going to do is just waste your time. I, I can't get into it right now because I got a different study going on. You read 1 Peter. Chapter number two. And that tells you how you're going to live your life as a Christian. He's our example. You know how he does it? When he's threatened, he threatened not. You understand? And he committed himself to him that judges righteously. And the only way you can make it as a husband, the only way you can make it as a wife, the only way you can make it as a father, the only way you can make it as a mother, the only way you can make it as a child of God is you must be crucified and die to yourself that you, others might live. You'll have life if you live for others and not live for yourself. And see, that's, 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 a, that's somebody that dies to what they want, to do what they want, because everybody wants just to do what they want to do. And the battle is, who's going to submit to who? You want to have life? Give everybody else the best seat. Give everybody else the best drink. Give everybody else the best cut of the meat. Give everybody else, let them sleep in the bed and you sleep on the floor. I mean, give up what you would expect, want for them. You're going to have life. That's how marriages work. That's how homes work. That's how work works. Right? Promote somebody else. Lift somebody else up. See, if I help my boss succeed, then ultimately I'll succeed, right? You understand? I mean, that's, that's the thing, you know. 
is do, do for others. Sacrifice. Verse 3. But fornication and all what? Uncleanness and covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness. Man, God wants us to be clean. Or foolish talking. Or jesting. Listen, I'm not against jokes. God's not saying you can't have a little bit of humor in your life. A merry heart doeth like a medicine. Good like a medicine. Right? Jesting there is being a fool. Being an idiot. God wants you to uh, walk appropriate. Walk soberly. Listen, one of the hardest, well, hardest things to find is people that are real sober about life. He's talking about people that their whole life's a clown. God's not interested in a class clown. Yeah, we get some laughs out of them, but that's not reality. God's not interested in us just being a bunch of clowns and a bunch of jokers and a bunch of goof-offs and jerks. He's asking us to have some decent character here, which are not convenient, but rather giving a thanks. He said, you could open your mouth, you're going to say something. Why don't you just be thankful? What happened in Romans chapter 1? Neither were they thankful. The first step to a reprobate mind Amen is not being thankful. Listen, why should God give more to us if we're not thankful for the things He's already given us? If everything's a bitter complaint, why, why does He even let the sun come up and let us see it the next morning? Why does He even let us have a clear blue day if everything's always a dark sky? Listen, we have a clear blue day and there's some guy has got a little lightning bolts coming out of a cloud hanging over his head. There ain't nothing you can do to satisfy there ain't nothing. There ain't nothing you can do. It's always going to be the bitter side. Why should God do anything for him? You know, there's a bunch of sourpuss Christians. Amen. I, I don't want to be around it. Like I told you, I put a little smiley face beside it every time I sign my name at work. Why? Just trying to spread. I found a smiley face one day and I hung it up on my grinder. Why? Just to try to spread some cheer. Try to... Try to do something different. Try to speak a good word in due season. I got to go against the grain, man. I can't. Listen, that right there, that's, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That and everything you what? Give thanks. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Lord, my car broke down today. I don't like it. I'm not happy. It's going to cost me money. But, you know, you're going to bring me across the path of people. Help me to be a good witness and a faithful witness. Help me not to display such a rotten attitude that I can't get this mechanic saved or this car dealer saved or this tire repair man saved or the furnace man. You know what? we got to be soul conscious. When you got a furnace guy come to your house and he's got to fix your furnace, let's not worry about the heat and air so much as we worry about a lost man and a lost soul coming into our life and how can we give him the gospel and invite him to church and introduce him to Jesus Christ. How can we take bad circumstances in our life and the bitter things in our life and turn them in for the glorious gospel of Jesus? Amen. Giving a thanks, being thankful. Lord, this is an opportunity. Amen. My daughter falls as I'm getting operated on, getting prepared and prepped. My daughter falls over, passes out, seeing the blood coming out of my arm. Amen. As they're putting the IV in. But you know what? We witnessed all them people try to talk to all them doctors and nurses about Jesus, leaving tracks and leaving wood. Listen, that's what it's all about. God put me, God allowed me to get sick. Allowed me to have nerve problems all through my face. Trimenial neuralgia. 
I went to all kinds of different specialists. Nobody could help me. Neurologists couldn't help me. Medicines wouldn't help me. It was very painful, excruciating. They say it's some of the most painful things you could ever go through. Some of them got like cluster headaches, but those nerves shooting through. I mean, it's unbelievable. It was like somebody putting a, a large screwdriver in my ear and then breaking my jaw. I mean, it was just unbelievable pain. And uh, finally, I got to the last specialist I went to, and I had something, uh, my hat on, said Highway Baptist Church, or somehow I gave him a gospel track. I said, Highway Baptist Church on it. He said, tell me about this. And I began to tell him about Highway Baptist Church and tell him about Jesus Christ. He said, oh, that's good, thank you. And he stuck it in his pocket. And then he said, yeah, you got this problem. And he said, I got a friend down here that he can cut your vein or nerve up there and he can numb the whole side of your face. You won't feel it when you shave. You won't feel the wind. You won't be able to feel the touch. And I said, nah, I can't do that. He goes, why not? I said, well, my mom's in pain 24 hours a day. I said, what's 10, 15 minutes pains a day for me? He just looked at me like I was a nut. I said, well, if I can't live with the pain much longer, I'll maybe consider doing something for right now. And you know what? God took that whole thing away after I witnessed that man. Witnessing to a guy did more for my face, going through all those hoops, and I was giving the gospel tracts and witnessing to those different doctors I went to. And they, none of them want to hear it. Don't want to, they, a lot of them will cut you off. They're afraid you're going to ask them a question. They try to shove you out of the office. But I got to witness to a lot of different people. And you know what? That pain's gone. What a miracle. So what do we got to do is we've got to be thankful and take advantage of the situations that we're in and realize God has sent a soul my way. Forget about the incident and say, now here's somebody that's totally oblivious from all the circumstances I'm going through in life, and this is my only opportunity to deal with this soul. I got three minutes, ten minutes, a half hour to deal with somebody. God opened a door to help me get the gospel to them. Is he in a track form, a good witness? Listen, I have a guy I work with, and his car, he was working on an old man's car, and he was lost. And he lifted up the hood, and he's looking under the car trying to figure something out there. And that old man walked around the corner of the car he was working on, and he looked at him, and he looked at the guy, and he goes, Do you know Jesus? Cut him so deep. Here's the old man's car's broke down, and he's not thinking about his car broke down. He's not thinking, of, he's thinking about the mechanic's soul. And he just looked at him with a smile on his face. Do you know Jesus? Simple little witness. What did your buddy say the other day, Stephen? Told an Islamist man, a Muslim. He said, Jesus is God. Whew, man. You understand what I'm saying? Simple little things, little phrases. Amen. Say, honey, I see you're having a little bit of trouble there. You know, the Lord, the Lord take care of that for you. You know what I mean? Just a good witness, a simple little witness, sometimes a one-liner. All you got to do is be able to say something to somebody. Amen. And we've got no idea how far the word of the Lord will carry. But we got to be thankful of the situation and say, okay, Lord, something bad's happened in my life, but what good can come out of it? Help us to be able to see the good. And I thank you that the problem happened. And I thank you that you're going to send a cure. And I thank you, Lord, for those words in the Bible that says, and it came to pass. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. A bunch of things we're to put away. We're to put, away, we're to put off. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Charity chapter. Chapter on charity. 
I like verse 8, charity never faileth, but whether there are prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. We know in part, prophesy in part. That which is perfect has come. That which is in part shall be done, done away. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child, and I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You know what God wants for his people? Just to put away childish stuff. You know what? So many people, so many Baptist churches split over childish actions and foolishness. More, ch more churches and more troubles happen in church over adults that claim to be adults act so immaturely and they, they don't know how to handle circumstances, arguments, disappointments, disagreements. Dis, uh, Amen? It takes, it takes two men to be able to look at each other in the eyes and say, I agree, but I disagree. And I, and I, and I, I sit here and I want to be able to be disagreeable with you, but still be able to walk with you. You know what I mean? That, that takes some tough stuff. But it's immaturity. People throw a little tantrums. And uh, God don't want us to throw tantrums. God wants us to man up and be able to, to what? Walk together. How can two walk together except they be agreed? You know what? Uh, I was telling Brother Lovell some things. And uh, he asked me a question. And I began to give him some answers. He says, I don't want to talk about it. And I proceeded to say, well, maybe I didn't present my case. So I decided to reiterate what I was saying. And he goes, I told you I don't want to talk about it. I said, okay. We never talked about it again. I didn't fel disfellowship him. I didn't quit. We disagreed. But we went on. We're friends. We didn't allow disagreements to separate us. It wasn't a major doctrinal issue. It was an opinion about something. And so, you know what? My opinions don't matter. Your opinions don't matter. The bottom line is what thus saith the Lord. There are things to dis disfellowship each other over. Amen? And there are some reasons to move on and leave churches. But I'm just talking about there are childish things and a lot of immature things that happen in homes, in marriages, in fellowships, with people. It's immaturity a lot of times. I got a thing that uh, I, I got a sermon. I don't have it with me. And there's an illustration in that sermon where two men are arguing. And as those two men are arguing and they're disagreeing, the one fellow says, you know what? I just got to get to know him better so I can understand him. Right? Only by pride comes contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. Most people argue over what they don't know they're talking about and they don't have all the complete facts. That's what the rest of that verse says. Get your facts. Understand your facts so you can be equipped to be able to discuss whatever you're discussing. But the reason people butt heads in arguments is usually one's not informed, one doesn't have all his facts, and his pride rises up to where he's going to hold his ground when you don't even know what he's talking about. He's defending the defenseless. And he's going to fight to the bitter end because his pride just does not want you to know. He's ignorant. He's unlearned. He's untaught. You understand? And that's childish. God wants us to put away childishness. You know what destroys most homes? Childish. The only difference between men and the boys is the price of their toys. There's a bunch of men that would rather sacrifice their marriage than they, and, and go four-wheeling and go hunting and love their coon dogs and all that other stuff more than they love their wife. And then there's a bunch of women that they want to sacrifice their husband for all their things. 
You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about childishness. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. How childish is your thinking? That's a pretty good sermon, I think, right there. But when I was a man, I put away childish things. You know what he wants us to do? Put away childish things. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2. We're just covering a bunch of things that God wants us to put away. Listen, that affects our actions. That affects our attitudes. That affects our mindsets. God's saying, listen, I want you to put away a bunch of junk that, this, that, that the world's all wrapped up in. And I want you to walk as a sober child of God, as a saint. I want you to think soberly, righteously. Amen? He gives us a bunch of good stuff. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Being born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and as, the, as the, all the glory of man is as the flower of the grass. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, or thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. This is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, in view of that, lay aside what? All malice. All malice. And all guile. What's guile? Guile is crafty, cunning, deceitful words and actions. It's where you try to trick somebody into something. To manipulate a group of people to, to believe the way you want them to believe. It's guile. It's trickery. He said, put it all away. And what? Hypocrisies. What's hypocrisy? Speaking one way and doing another. Doing another. Living one way, speaking one way. Amen. Being duplicit. Amen. He said, let it, let it be done away. And what? Envies. Envies. Who's able to stand before envy, the Bible says? Envy. They delivered up Jesus for envy. What is envy? What is envy? I have to look it up. I got some definitions right there. It's a monster. You're telling it right. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's bad news. Envy. I think it would be coveting something that you're entitled to. There you go. Envying is feeling uneasiness at the superior superior condition and happiness of another. <laughs> Mortification experienced at the supposed prosperity and happiness of another. Ill will of others on account of some supposed superiority. Pain, uneasiness, mortification, or discontent excited by the sight of another's superiority or success accompanied with some degree of hatred and malignity and often or usually with the desire of an effort to depreciate the person. I got to cut them down. I got to bring them down to size because I'm envious of what they are, who they are. Envy springs from pride, ambition, or love. Mortify, mortified that another has obtained what one strong desire to possess. Envies. We want something somebody else has, and we're, in a sense, jealous of what they have good looks, smarts, strength, good qualities. Instead of trying to say, man, that guy's got something in his life that I need. 
and say, you know what, I need to shoot for that. I need to, I need to put that into my character. Amen. Envies and all evil speaking. Isn't that a blessing? This is what God wants us to get rid of. This is what God wants us to lay aside. Those are all issues of the heart. That's got nothing to do with clothes. It's got nothing to do with jewelry. It's got nothing to do with cigarettes. It's got nothing to do with, you understand what I'm saying? Listen, so many people are so upset that, that somebody doesn't dress right or comb their hair the way they think it ought to be combed or they're worried about. Listen, God's saying, I want to deal with the issues of the heart. We're dealing with right down where they live. This is stuff that he wants. Look, look at what he says. In, he said in, in verse 23 back there, being born again. Now verse 2, as newborn babes. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Listen, God is gracious and he wants us in the word of God. He wants us spending time in the book. And you know what? We can get some serious convictions about what God wants in our life if we spend time in the word. And so he says, listen, there's a bunch of pollution in your heart. Get rid of that pollution and fill it up with something good. And get the Word of God in there. Listen, that's what's wrong is the pollutions of this world are hurting people. Let's look in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. These are just things God said for us to get rid of. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are all compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. What's besetting you? What weight's hindering you, slowing you down? You know what he says? Get rid of it. Lay it aside. Amen? You don't need to tote that stuff. You don't Listen, if, that stuff, if there's stuff keeping you out of church, get rid of it. If there's stuff keeping you out of the Bible, get rid of it. If there's stuff keeping you from walking and talking with the Lord, get rid of it. Listen, anything that would hinder us from coming what God wants us to become, let's go lay it aside. It's not worth it. Worldly pursuits are not worth it. Godly, sacrificing it to godly pursuits. God wants us to pursue that which is right, godly, holy. He doesn't want us to make all these excuses and have all these things in our life. What's he talk about? A good soldier. Entangleth not himself in the affairs of this life. Right? But rather what? That he might be able to please him. He's saying, hey, don't let the affairs of this life tie you up in such a way you can't serve your master. Christians seem somehow to get tied up in all this junk. Look like Pinocchio all wrapped up in his little, little cords who can't serve God. Amen. James chapter 1. Turn one page over. James. James chapter number 1. Verse 18. Of his own will begat he us. With how? The word of truth that we should be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Oh, no. And slow to speak and slow to wrath. Now watch this. This is a good verse. You got an anger problem? This is a good verse for Brother Nate. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Oh, 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 man. Oh, man. Amen. <laughs> the wrath of God. Man does not work the righteousness of God. Boy, woo, hoo, hoo, man. Wherefore, in view of that, lay apart all filthiness 
And superfluity of naughtiness. Oh, my soul. Superfluity. Boy, isn't that a good word? Huh? You got a problem with superfluity? <laughs> superfluity. Superabundance. A greater quantity than is wanted. As superfluity of water provision. Something that is beyond what is wanted. Amen? Superfluity. It's above and beyond really what you need. Right? Something rendered unnecessary by its abundance. Among the superfluities of life and seldom number of abundance of money. And then naughtiness, badness, wickedness, evil principles or purpose. Slight of wickedness of children, perverseness, maliciousness, wicked, corrupt. A naughty person, a wicked man, walking with a froward mouth. See, ain't that good, the old 1828 dictionary quote in the Bible? Bad, worthless, mischievous, perverse, forward, as a naughty child, is now seldom used except in latter sense. Listen, there's, there's all kinds of things God wants us to get rid of, put away from, right? 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2. I'm trying to get, trying to get through this stuff. 1 Peter chapter number 2. Verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Amen. You got a battle? That's telling me there's a battle going on. What are you having a battle with? What's that old nature want that the new nature doesn't? What's that old nature crave that the new nature doesn't? What's that new nature craving and that old flesh hates? That's where fasting comes in. Fasting helps you break loose from everything that has control over you, whether it's food, water, Kool-Aid, Coca-Colas, coffee. What's got a hold of you and draws you? We have lust. It pulls us in the wrong direction. And we work for the lust of our mouth. Our mouth craves our body lust. Our, body, our hearts crave we must consume and have. And you know what? Fasting is the only thing that will break those chains. Amen. Pleading the blood. Telling everything and everybody no. Amen. Your flesh does not want that. Which war against the flesh. War against the soul. Didn't we read last week in Galatians? How the flesh lusts against the spirit. The spirit lusts against the flesh. So therefore we cannot do the things that we would. There's obstacles in your life. And the biggest obstacle in your life is not the devil. It's you. It's your flesh. Amen. And then the world appeals to your flesh. And then you con yourself into accepting what the world says. And you start going their direction and the devil's laughing the whole time. My number one problem is me. Right here. Fleshly lust which war against my soul. Try to read your Bible. War. To stay up and read. War to get up and pray. War to get out and witness. A war to tell my flesh, No! My comfort's not as important as that person going to hell. 
Listen, that's, that's a war. The devil wants us to be comfortable in our own skin. I don't want to be comfortable in my skin. I want out of my skin. I want to be in a new body, not this old flesh. Right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This, this is one, you, you want to you wanna get Baptists all messed up. This, this is it right here. They disbelieve this verse more than just about any verse in the Bible. Amen. Everybody, all these SDAs, the seven-day disadvantages, want to go to Exodus 20 for the Ten Commandments, but they don't want to read Paul's commandments. What about this one right here, verse 22? 1 Thessalonians 5, 22. Abstain from all appearance of, if it looks bad, don't do it. You understand? Abstain from it. You, you, don't, you don't need to be involved in it. You don't need to be around it. Amen. I'll never forget, Brother Eastep said a guy went and bought a, uh, something to drink, and he pulled a brown wrapper around the top of the neck, and he come walking in his house. He said, what are you doing? He said, well, he said, man, don't do that. Don't do that around me. Everybody thinks you're bringing booze into my house. He said, I don't want to, I don't want to look at it. Listen, a lot of Christians get offended if it looks evil, if it looks bad, if it looks wrong. They get offended and say, well, they just got to get over it. Listen, Paul said, if my liberty causes somebody to fall and stumble, I won't use my occasion, my liberty, to, to cause somebody to fall. Listen, we can become stumble blocks and hindrances. Paul said, if meat made my brother offend, I'll eat no meat. But today's philosophy, bless God, you just had to get over it. I'm going to eat meat. I care less. Well, man, if you're trying to win a Jew and you, you order a pork chop and he gets offended, do you have to have that pork chop at the meal to try to win that Jew? Well, you just got to get over it. Let him go to hell. I don't care. I want my meat. Well, don't eat meat if it's going to offend the guy. But see, people care more about what they've got to do. We're living in a society. It's my rights. We're living in civil rights. I have a right. I want to do what I want to do. Bless God. I don't care who goes to hell. I just want to do what I want to do. That's where we're at. And when you sit back and say, I'm willing to give that up if that'll win him to Jesus Christ. I become all things, all means, I might by all means win some. Listen, I got liberty. But I'd rather win somebody to Jesus Christ and enjoy my liberty. I'd rather be hot than run around naked. That's good for both me and you. <laughs> Hello? Amen? But some people sit back and say, I don't care. I'm taking it off. I'm peeling my onion. They just don't have to. Well, you're wrong if you just want to peel your onion so, so you can have your way. Sweat. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, we're not soul conscious. We're not conscious the way we ought to be about what God thinks about what we're doing. And if it appears evil, don't do it. That's pretty simple. Can you put that kind of verse right there on your television? If it, if it appears evil, mm, click. <laughs> I'm going to change the channel. I'm not going to watch that. If it ain't no good, put it down. You understand what I'm saying? But people sit back and watch it. They get entertained by it. Abstain from all appearance evil. And I'll finish with this so we can get done. He said in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee fornication. 
He says in 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 14, flee idolatry. He says in uh, 1 Timothy, for a man of God to flee covetousness. And then in 2 Timothy 2.22, he says, flee youthful lust. Amen? There's a bunch of things Christians need to get away from. And it's dangerous and it's harmful to their testimony, to their faith, to their stature, to their walk with God. And we need to just put that junk away. Listen, that's the first step to success is what? Amen? Is to get away from those things, to put that kind of stuff away. Amen? The process of elimination. Eliminate the bad. Amen? Get it out of the way. You want a clean house? You got you to get rid of the dirt. You got to take away the trash. Right? You take a shower. What do you take a shower for? Get rid of the dirt. <laughs> right? It's the whole purpose. Washing the car, taking a bath, cleaning your house, washing the dishes, is to get rid of something. Take it away. The whole purpose God saved you is to get rid of, flush away a bunch of bad junk. Put away, put away, put away. You want to step a success? Process elimination. Get rid of a bunch of stuff. Then you can be freed up to do what you need to do. Amen. Brother Nick, would you pray for us?